0: Good evening. Memorial Day in America. Did the United States spark regime change in Pakistan? Horrors of military housing and its privatization and the mayor of New York City addresses the role of the military in seeing or making or keeping the city safe. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Memorial Day, Monday, May 30th, 2022. Colombian leftist Gustavo Petro came out on top in the first round of the Andean country's presidential elections yesterday and will face a surprise contender, businessman Rodolfo Hernandez, in a second round of voting on June 19th. Petro, who has vowed profound economic and social change, had 40.3% of the votes. Hernandez, the former mayor of Bucaramanga, has promised to fight corruption although he is himself under investigation or graft but he won twenty eight point two percent of the vote nevertheless petro a sixty two-year-old former mayor of bogota has consistently led opinion polls on promises to redistribute pensions offer of free public university and begin to change what he says are centuries of profound inequality petro spoke after he voted yesterday
1: well, a. Yeah,
2: we came to do our exercise, to vote. I trust in the Colombian society and in their desire for change. In the end, there are only two alternatives. It's a relatively simple election.
3: Relativamente simple.
2: To leave things as they are in Colombia, which, in my opinion, means more corruption, violence and hunger. My
3: opinion is more corruption, more violence,
2: or to change Colombia and take it towards peace, prosperity, and democracy for
3: for the people.
0: Petro rejects accusations. He'll follow the policies of former Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez. Rodolfo Hernandez, for his part, has suffered at the hands of the rebels in Colombia. His father, his farmer father, was held by the FARC FARC guerrillas decades ago, while his daughter, Juliana, was kidnapped by the National Liberation Army in 2004 and is believed to have been murdered in captivity. Third-place candidate Federico Guterres has thrown his support behind Hernandez. Turnout was 21 million people out of 39 million eligible voters. It was similar in percentage terms to the first round of voting in 2018, with about some 54% of eligible voters participating. And former Prime Minister Imran Khan has threatened to hold another protest this week unless new elections are announced in Pakistan. The cricketer, turned politician, was removed from power last month after a no-confidence vote, which he claims was the result of a U.S.-backed plot. He told Sky News, let the people of Pakistan decide who they want to elect.
1: People of this country want one thing, elections. They do not want a foreign-imposed government on where members of our party were bought by a million dollars each who was offered to them to switch sides and then uh, the government was removed. And so therefore we feel that rather than someone else imposing a government on our country, let the people of this country decide whoever they want uh, to lead them. But you were toppled, you say, by a Western conspiracy. You call it, I think, US-backed regime change. I mean, it's quite a claim. What evidence do you have? Well, as a prime minister, I get a cipher. Cipher is the is a secret uh, a message sent by your ambassadors. They are sent to the Foreign Office. It's like in WikiLeaks. You know, WikiLeaks was when they broke the code, so the secret messages were relayed to the public. So I get a cipher from my ambassador in the U.S. It's an official meeting he has with this American Undersecretary or whatever, Donald Lu, and me as the Prime Minister. I'm leading, I'm reading this cipher. And it says that unless you remove your prime minister through this vote of no confidence, which hadn't been tabled as yet, there will be consequences for Pakistan. And if you remove him, all will be forgiven. This is what me as a prime minister reading this cipher. I'm the chief executive. Who who was he asking to have me removed? The next day, after this meeting, this meeting, official meeting with note takers, with minutes, between our ambassador in the Washington and this American official, Donald Liu. Next day, the no-confidence motion is tabled in our National Assembly. And then, uh, members of our party, which I told you were, had offered, were offered these huge sums to switch sides, they start leaving our party. Our allies leaving a, leave our party. There was no reason for the government suddenly to be removed. And that is Imran Khan. The U.S. government has denied any
0: intervention. Khan has called for the resignation of Donald Liu, the Assistant Secretary of State for South and Central Asia. Khan has previously alleged Liu was involved in the foreign conspiracy to topple his government. That's his words. State Department Principal Deputy Spokesperson Jalina Porter said in April, there is absolutely no truth to the allegations. Liu is a Foreign Service officer with more than 30 years of U.S. government service. He served as... Deputy Chief of Mission in India from 2010 to 2013, a former U.S. ambassador to Kyrgyzstan and Albania. He's also served in the U.S. Embassy in New Delhi on two separate occasions. Before his posting in Albania, Lou worked on the Ebola crisis in West Africa as the Deputy Coordinator of Ebola Response in the Department of State. Meanwhile, Imran Khan went on to answer questions about his embrace of Russian President Vladimir Putin, as well as uh, work with the Chinese government. Khan also opposed U.S. policy in Afghanistan. The former prime minister says his decisions were on behalf of Pakistan's people.
1: How the hell was I supposed to know that there, the day I landed in, uh, in in Moscow, he was going to Putin was going to uh, go into Ukraine? My statement as Moscow was. I have never believed in military solutions. Never did I endorse that. Ours was a totally a bilateral meeting. It was planned wrong before. The, the ties you have with Russia and China suggests that you went ahead with that meeting, that human rights are secondary. I was elected by 220 million people of Pakistan to serve them. My number one priority is there are 50 million Pakistanis below the poverty line. My responsibility was my country. And so all my relationships, whether it was with China, with the United States, with Russia, were for the benefit of our own people. Listen, in Kashmir, which is a dispute between Pakistan and India, India has violated all United Nations resolutions on Kashmir. They've illegally taken away the right of the Kashmiri people and and basically got rid of the statehood. Now, did anyone speak against it? The atrocities going on in Kashmir. 100,000 people in Kashmiris have died. Has anyone condemned India for that? No, because the India is an ally. Allow us to be neutral too so that we can look after our own people. What about Afghanistan? Are you, are you pleased to see the Taliban back in control? Afghanistan, there was never going to be a military solution. Anyone who knows the history of Afghanistan and the British above all, have experienced three wars in Afghanistan, the three times they've gone into Afghanistan in the 19th century, twice in 19th and once in the 20th century. People like us, who kept saying that you will not solve Afghanistan problem by bombing them or sending your military, we were called pro-Taliban. For 40 years they've been suffering. But at the end, you you said... This is not a football match, whether you're on one side or the other. Where Afghanistan, when there are problems there, the country that suffers most is Pakistan because we we already have three and a half billion Afghan refugees there.
0: And as former Pakistan Prime Minister Imran Khan speaking with UK-based Sky News, here in the United States. President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, their spouses, and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin honored America's service members who gave their lives at Arlington National Cemetery on Memorial Day, marking the seventh anniversary of the death of Biden's son, Beau, a veteran and former federal prosecutor who lost his battle with cancer in 2015. The President and First Lady began their day at St. Joseph on the Brandywine in Wilmington, Delaware, where Beau Biden is buried. At Arlington National Cemetery, the President laid a wreath at the Tomb of the Unknown soldier as is tradition in his speech he spoke to the war in Ukraine and its symbolism for Americans the moment
4: when a war of aggression is once more being waged by Russia to snuff out the freedom the democracy the very culture and identity of neighboring Ukraine we, so, so, we see so clearly all that's at stake freedom has never been free Democracy has always required champions. Today, in the perennial struggle for democracy and freedom, Ukraine and its people are on the front lines fighting to save their nation. But their fight is part of a larger fight that unites all people. It is a fight that so many of the patriots whose eternal rest is here in these hallowed grounds were part of, a battle between democracy and autocracy, between liberty and repression, between appetites and ambition of a few forever seek to dominate the lives and liberties of many, a battle for essential democratic principles, the rule of law, free and fair elections, freedom to speak and write and to assemble, freedom to worship as one chooses, freedom of the press, principles that are essential for a free society. And into every generation heroes are born willing to shed their blood for that which they and we hold dear ladies and gentlemen today we remember and we reaffirm freedom is worth the sacrifice democracy is not perfect it's never been good perfect but it's worth fighting for if necessary worth dying for. And that's President Biden,
0: he says he knows the lives of the families who lost loved ones will never be the same and acknowledge the 7,054 service members, American service members who lost their lives in the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Eight months ago, the Army launched an investigation into a family housing provider at Fort Gordon in Georgia that drew fire from Senate investigators. The problems exposed in the recently released report range from leaks and mold infestations to collapsed ceilings and general disrepair. At the center of the problems – was a, was a privatized family housing provider known as Balfour BD Communities. Balfour has admitted manipulating its work order databases to make to uh, pardon me has admitted manipulating its work order database to make problems appear less severe and more quickly addressed, all in an effort to pump up those incentive payments that it's supposed to get for finishing these jobs on time, that's often uh, in government contracts a common uh, problem. In December, the company pleaded guilty and agreed to pay $65 million in connection with the scheme. The uh, chair of the Senate Subcommittee of Investigations is Georgia Democrat John Ossoff.
5: We embarked upon an eight-month intensive investigation. Looking into these allegations of mistreatment of military families at U.S. installations, we focused on Fort Gordon in Georgia and Shepherd Air Force Base in Texas. And the results of this investigation are alarming, are disturbing, reveal injustice imposed on service members and their families, reveal grave risks to the health and safety of service members and their families reveal neglect by Balfour Beatty which is responsible for housing tens of thousands of military families uh, and reveal not just neglect and in my view misconduct and abuse but neglect, misconduct and abuse that persisted even after Balfour Beatty pled guilty to a scheme to defraud the United States between 2013 and 2019.
0: Senator John Ossoff, Captain Samuel Cho of the U.S. Army, described the health effects of living in a mold-contaminated Army home in Georgia, especially the effect on his young daughter.
5: My wife and I have found that my daughter's experience is life-altering and that it will haunt her as well as us for the rest of our lives. Uh, she is diagnosed with a condition called severe atopic dermatitis to the point where it's potentially fatal. Unfortunately, the basis of her condition was founded upon what she was exposed to while we resided on post F4 Gordon by the home which was managed by Balfour Beatty. Due to her condition, she is reticent in engaging with anyone outside of her immediate circle. The little scars of her experience haunt her and plague her To this day, my wife and I have found that this is something that unfortunately will resonate with us for the rest of our lives.
0: And that is Samuel, Captain Samuel Cho of the U.S. Army based in Georgia. An airfare, uh, pardon me, an Air Force Technical Sergeant Jack Fay Torres told about similar problems with Balfour Beatty communities housing at a base in Texas.
6: I have served in the Air Force for 13 years, and we moved into our home in August of 2020 at Shepherd Air Force Base, Texas. After moving in, my wife and children started experiencing a wide variety of medical symptoms. After realizing we felt better outside of our home and realized that mold was likely a threat, the maintenance supervisor assured us that it was not possible for mold to grow in the area and not to worry. This was the first time we believed that our work order history did not reflect the true state of repairs within our home. Work orders will be open and closed before completion frequently. Or worse, a work order will be attempted to be repaired, and when we report the issue is unresolved, a new ticket will be opened. It was confirmed that mold was present. Balfour Beatty dismissed our concerns. At one point, we were told that a large spot of mold in our mechanical room wall was just a burn mark. On August 4th, we were displaced for the first time. While hesitant to tell my family story of how Balfour Beatty has treated us, I remain hopeful that Congress will seriously address what military families around the country continue to experience.
0: Tech Sergeant Jack Faye Torres, the founder and chair of Armed Forces Housing Advocates is Rachel Christian. She testified to Congress that Balfour Beatty injured soldiers, hurting military readiness just for profit.
2: The safety inside of a Balfour Beatty home is questionable at best. I have seen sick and injured military families that have been dismissed repeatedly when bringing forth their concerns that their homes have made them sick. A child at Fort Bliss tested high for lead in their blood. After certified testing was completed, it showed higher than allowable levels of lead-based paint dust in the home. Yet still, Balfour Beatty denied that the lead-based paint in the home was responsible and refused to abate or encapsulate the lead-based paint. That home is still available for unsuspecting families to move into today. These medical conditions are not only harming our military families, but are also costing military treatment facilities and TRICARE millions of dollars in medical care, which could be avoided if the homes were properly maintained. The issues I have cited are only a small portion of the problems and they are not unique to one installation or location. They are mirrored from one to the other. Balfour Beatty often claims that the problems we see are regional with a few bad actors, but we strongly disagree with this notion. When corporate leadership is directing the actions of local employees, the issues are inherently systemic. How many more cases of negligence, fraud, and civil rights violations must be present in this building before Balfour Beatty is properly held accountable and banned from receiving further government contracts as well as removed from their current partnership with the Department of Defense. Balfour Beatty has already admitted to defrauding the government, but it is not just the government that suffered in this case, it's the service members and it's their families. They're the ones being forgotten, pushed aside, and made sick by a company that continues to choose profits over people.
0: Rachel Christian is the founder and chair of Armed Forces Housing Advocates. She was testifying at a hearing held by uh, chaired by Senator John Ossoff of Georgia about a privatization housing privatization company called Balfour Beatty Communities that uh, has been running what is considered by a, a report 8 months in the making to be uh, to be subpar housing uh, for soldiers and veterans on this Memorial Day. In New York City, Mayor Eric Adams honored veterans with a speech at a Memorial Day ceremony at the Intrepid Air, Space, and Sea Museum on the west side of Manhattan. He praised vets, the police, and even those who battled uprisings against police brutality in the United States.
3: This is a Pearl Harbor moment. As our national anthem states, bomb burst in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. We're not only talking about physical bombs, we're talking about the bombs of uncertainty, of crisis, of turmoil, of uprising, rising. The bombs that could have an impact on how we feel. Just as Pearl Harbor was a significant moment, so too was September 11th, a few miles from here as we watch our center of trade collapse. We reflect on 9-11 and the number of lives we lost, but I reflect on 9-12. We got up. New Yorkers continue to build. We were the symbol and the epicenter of a terrorist act that could have crippled any other nation, but not us. We continue to thrive. And now we're faced with a new challenge called COVID. It's not terrorism, but it brought terror. We lost loved ones and family members to the uncertainty if they were ever returned from a hospital. Our economy took a devastating dive. Many people lost their homes and businesses. The uncertainty hovered over our entire nation. But just as then, we are here now. We will survive. We will survive not only who we have that represent us during foreign wars, but during local uprising. The men and women of the military, law enforcement communities across this country, the prerequisite to our prosperity is public safety and justice. They go together. It is a symbol of who we are as a country. And that is Mayor Mayor Eric
0: Adams. And finally, a couple of stories, actually, in the end, finally, locally uh, produced uh, Coney Island to Pelham Bay. The beaches are open in New York City. Get ready to enjoy a great time in the surf in what's expected to be a very hot summer. And Manhattanhenge is back. If you missed the first chance to see the phenomenon in which the setting sun aligns with Manhattan Street Grid, you your second opportunity will come. This night, tonight, the spectacle will begin at sunset around 8.20 p.m., and a clear sky is expected to give tourists and locals plenty of opportunities for photos. Some popular places to view the event include 57th and 42nd Street, as well as right here where I am at 14th Street. The phenomenon will also return for another two nights in mid-July. And that's some of the news for Monday, May 30th, 2022, Memorial Day in the United States. News producer Linda Perry, our engineer is Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul Durianzo. Thanks for listening.